Welcome to the Heartbreak to Happiness Show with Sarah Davison. If you're struggling with a breakup and you feel shocked, angry, betrayed, devastated, or sad and alone, then this podcast is for you. Best-selling author and award-winning host, Sarah Davison, shares how you too can get on with your life to heal, grow, and move from heartbreak to happiness. Here's your host, Sarah Davison. Welcome back to the show. And today, my guest is Mel Johnson, who is otherwise known as the Solo Motherhood Coach. She is the solo mum to her three-year-old daughter, who she conceived using IVF and donor conception. And having been on her own journey into motherhood on her own, and being passionate about empowering women to understand all the options available to them, Mel created The Stalk and I. And using this platform, she has created a community for women embarking on the path to parenthood. Mel is a qualified coach with over 10 years coaching experience and supports single women considering solo parenthood as well as offering support for every stage along the way. So I am super excited to welcome Mel Johnson to the show. Welcome, Mel. Hi, thank you for having me. Wow, I am so excited because we haven't covered this topic in my podcast as yet. And I know that there are going to be so many people listening because I get so many messages about this. So I know this information is going to really help them. So please tell my listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do. Fine. So I am Mel Johnson, the solo motherhood coach. So I am solo mum to my three and a half year old daughter, Daisy. And following my own journey um, to have Daisy, I felt like there wasn't lots of um, support out there for other people in the same situation. Um, And I was anyway a life coach. So just decided to start specializing in coaching for people considering solo motherhood, as well as those who were already on the path to solo motherhood. So um, I was in a seven year relationship that broke down in when I was 29. And I it felt like the carpet had been pulled from under me. I just presumed that we were, you know, getting married and the next steps was to have children. And all of a sudden at 29, I was like, oh my goodness, that's not going to happen. What am I going to do? Like, what are my options? Um, And I sort of had to try to figure it all out myself and see what options there were and what I should do. And I felt like the only person in the world who was in this situation, which is clearly not the case. There's so many people um, who contact me to say this is the exact situation I'm in. Um, Yeah, so now I help support others who are in that situation to to, um, explore the options. Yeah, I guess that's such a big deal, isn't it? Because especially at that age when you're turning 30 or early 30s, you know, I always remember that scene in Bridget Jones where she goes to that dinner party. I don't know if you've seen the first movie and she turns up on her own and, and all her friends are there in couples and they're all saying, come on, Bridge, tick tock, tick tock, no kids, no man. And you can see she's struggling with that. And I know that that's such a, a common experience because as women, we do have this ticking clock that if we want to have kids, then we want to be in a relationship to do that because that's 
I suppose, how society sees it, doesn't it? I mean, that's what we've always dreamt of, meeting that partner. But it's not just meeting that partner. It's staying the, with them for a long enough time. You said you were with your partner for seven years and you were engaged. So at that point, you think you've got it all nailed down. So I think sometimes the heartbreak that I see in my clinic can be very much tied in with the fact of the loss of the hope of maybe having that fairy tale ending with the kids and, and the family. Is that what you see? Yeah, I totally agree. When you really sort of delve into the detail, sometimes it's not even really about the guy. Um, yes, people um, may feel upset about the end of the relationship, but definitely a really strong worry is what the end of the relationship means for how you presumed the future would pan out. So I totally agree. We I think we grow up, we grew up with a really clear fairy tale, um, you know, films, books, nursery rhymes, like all of the things that the media that were around us paint happily ever after as meeting a guy like this Prince Charming that's going to come and sweep us off our feet and mean that we live happily ever after. And I didn't realise how deeply ingrained that is in us. Um, and I think so many of us probably think that that is the only way um, that we will have a happy and fulfilled life. And I think it's really important to just explore alternatives to that and to have role models that are showing there are other ways to have um, happiness and have a fulfilled life. It doesn't have to be that way. Um, uh, but I think it is really deeply ingrained in us that that is the, the way to happiness. I really agree with you. I think that it's very true. As you grow up, that's what, like, that's how you're envisaging your life working out. You get married, then you have kids. It's that kind of order. You have your wedding, then you get pregnant, then you have the family. You know, unfortunately for some of us, the divorce comes in in the middle of it uh, and screws those plans up. But then you've got to get back out onto the dating scene. And I guess that puts so much pressure onto both you and potential partners of how how long do you wait after you've broken up if you're desperate for the kids but you're still a little bit heartbroken about your ex but you know you haven't got that much time just to wait around and recover so what's your advice in those situations yeah, I mean, it's so difficult. And I do think it really depends on the individual. So some people almost want to throw themselves straight back into it. Other people want to, like, do some more internal reflection and work on themselves a little bit before they feel ready and also grieve for both their relationship and for the future that they feel they may have lost. Because I think a lot of the grief, like we said before, is about the future uh, as well as the actual relationship itself. So um, I see a variety of people who um, are either really throwing themselves into dating or people who are actually avoiding it a little bit. Um, but I think there's almost no point in throwing yourself into dating if you're not really in the headspace of doing it, because I think it's very apparent and um, it's really difficult to meet somebody when you're in the wrong headspace. So my advice that I say to people is do take a little bit of time to work on yourself and get really clear what it is you want. What are you looking for from dating? 
how are you approaching it I mean if you really really want to meet someone um, I would advise then getting a dating coach getting some advice getting some help to get back out there and doing it um, or having a break and yeah like doing some reflection and, and, and working on yourself but going out there with it being really visible that you're desperate to have a baby does make dating difficult it's not attractive in, in some cases no so how do you do that so you I mean maybe you're not desperate but you do want that. that's the top of your list and you're out there and you're on dates you know I guess sifting through quite quickly I suppose to see who are the time wasters who aren't ready for commitment who are still recovering from their own previous breakups how do you sort of interview I guess without putting them off do you have any tips on that um, I haven't because I didn't manage to do that. <laughs> so, um, my view on it is it's really difficult to manage th that situation. You know, I want to be my, my authentic self on dates. Um, I would say, you know, certainly on the first date, it's not going into your life story to say, I really want children. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think it's about waiting for, for the right time to introduce that. But what I found is it was really difficult for me to not be honest about that. And, um, you know, you try to, um, you know, be, be a bit more relaxed about it. But if it's something that you're really passionate about and that you really want, I think it's quite difficult to hide that. And I did find that um, I wasn't my best self on dates because I couldn't hide. Uh, when it got to sort of like my mid to late 30s, I would say, it was quite difficult to hide the fact that probably my number one desire was to have a baby. And you do start questioning, am I look, even looking for a partner <laughs> or, or do I just want to have a baby? And so the reason for your dating um, is interesting to explore as well from that point of view. Yeah, I think that's really insightful because so many people find themselves in that position. And you know, we have this idea that having a baby with it with someone is the right way forward, but there are other options, aren't there? Now, please explain to my listeners who might be in that situation, what other options do you have if you find yourself in, in this situation? Well, I talk about with to my coaching clients about five options that you've got. So the first option is to do nothing. So, um, but you know, if you're a control freak like I am, doing nothing is not a great option. Um, so, uh, but you can just see what happens basically. Um, the second option is um, to to date. So to to really get out there and try to meet somebody. Um, to pursue a family with. Uh, you can then look for alternative routes to parenthood. So maybe you could consider um, uh, fostering or adoption um, and uh, maybe becoming a step parent if you meet somebody who's already got children. Um, so yeah, just looking at different uh, routes to parenthood. And um, then you can uh, do what I did, which is, oh, you can think about a life without children in it. So you can, if you always thought you would have children in your life, you can start to think about what would life look like if I didn't have children in it and redesign it to, to fit that? Or um, what I did is um, to use donor conception. So I had IVF with a sperm donor um, and had a baby on my own that way. 
there are big topics to consider, aren't there? I mean, these sort of topics are obviously life-changing and big emotional challenges ahead, whatever you decide. I mean, I suppose people thinking, well, I, I can't imagine my life without kids, which is why I'm desperately trying to find somebody. Um, obviously, fostering adoption and, and those things are going to take time as well. And you have to pass, I guess, certain levels of assessment. Um, and that's, again, going to be a challenging process. Um, how do people find out more about those options? Where do they go? So um, I provide support on the um, donor conception option. Um, so I run one-to-one um, -one coaching and I've also got a group coaching course where we have 12 women who are all thinking um, maybe I would like to um, go down the solo mother route and we get together just to discuss what some of the practical elements of that, but really the emotional side of it and again a lot around how you drop the fairy tale um and rewrite that in a in, a, in that just looks different but equally as positive um so you can find out a lot more about donor conception um from my instagram page or from attending one of those coaching courses i think what we what i talk to people about is um when i say those options is there any that are like no like you know if for example I say you could consider a life without children and rewriting how your life would be some people are instantly like nope I, that's just not an option so for me some of it is almost like to cross off where you, you definitely you're not in that headspace you want to pursue another option some people say I'll consider solo motherhood as an option in the future, but I, for now, I really want to focus on meeting somebody. And um, with that one, I ask people, what are you doing to meet someone? And it's quite funny because quite often they're not really doing anything. So although people are saying their absolute preference is to meet someone and have a family in inverted commas, a more traditional way, um, then you have to put some effort into doing that. And so mm. what I would suggest to people is, I call it sort of like relentlessly dating, as in really focused. You've got a strategy, you know what you're gonna do. Um, you, you, you're getting support. You, you're really putting your energy into meeting someone. Because if you're just hoping to meet someone, it, I don't know, it's, it's possibly that will happen um but you can take a bit more control on it um yeah. and then there's some great resources for people who um are considering a life without children um i can send some uh, links that people can um can look at and there's some great uh groups facebook groups for people who are looking uh adopting or fostering okay okay that's really interesting so Moving forward, then, if they're deciding on the IVF or and the donor conception program you're talking about, I don't have any concept of, of how that works. And I'm sure a lot of people listening are thinking, well, OK, this is all quite new. You know, obviously, we didn't grow up with these things being options necessarily. So how does it work? What's involved? What would you do in that process? So basically, um, the first step really is to have a fertility test. So that you can identify, you know, your 
what the situation with your fertility is. Um, you can have that, you can do an online one or you can have it at any fertility clinic. Um, so you can look at a fertility clinic near where you live um, or where you work or just a convenient um, location to you. Um, they will do fertility tests, they'll give you the results and then they'll talk about if you wanted to progress down this route, what they advise the best option would be. There's two main treatments. You can have IUI, which is, um, this is not the medical term, but it's more of like the turkey baster approach. Um, uh, or you can have IVF, which is a more invasive um, procedure where they remove the eggs and put that together with sperm and then transfer that back into you. Um, so you choose donor sperm. You can choose that from a sperm bank. Some people choose to um, use sperm of someone they know, so like a known donor, um, at, but many choose to use it from a sperm bank. And then you have the treatment at the clinic and um, see if that results in a pregnancy. So what are your tips for choosing a sperm donor and what information are you given to help you make that decision? Obviously, it's a huge decision today. Yeah, so my biggest tip is to try to put yourself in the position of the child and what would be important for them. So in the UK, there is legislation that says that you need to use a release ID donor, which means that the ID, the identification of that donor would be released to your child when they're 18. Um, so it means that you know it's not completely anonymous at some point in the future or when the child's 18 they will get to maybe meet the person they'll at least get their details um you can choose on physical characteristics so sometimes it might be important to people to look like their ch children so they choose characteristics similar to theirs so, so you would see a photograph um, you, it depends which sperm bank you use. So sometimes it's a description. So it would be more like blue eyes, brown hair, what height, weight, that sort of thing. Some of the sperm banks give you so much information, baby photos, adult photos, voice notes, you know, literally any information that you want about the people, medical history. And then they also usually write, um, a letter to explain why they're donating and so a lot of people go off the letter because that gives you a little bit more insight into who they are and why they're donating and um, can give you a good gut feel on the person. Can I ask how you chose the father for your baby? Are you struggling to cope with your breakup or divorce? Are you feeling devastated, heartbroken, sad and anxious? If so, please know that you are not alone and there is help available. Sarah Davison, best known as the Divorce Coach, and her team of accredited coaches are here to offer you the support and guidance you need to navigate all areas of your breakup, take back your control and start feeling happy again. Sarah will show you how to dial down those controlling negative emotions, unhook from your ex, get back in the driving seat of your life and design a future you are excited to live. Sarah has a range of solutions to support any breakup, including free guides, 
one-to-one coaching, her Heartbreak to Happiness virtual retreats, live retreats, and you can even train to be a breakup and divorce coach with Sarah too. Visit www.saradavison.com today and start to feel happy again. Can I ask how you chose the father for your baby? So I was using a clinic in the UK. So I, in the UK, you don't get as much information. So I chose some physical characteristics um, that were similar to mine so that it, you know, there was hopefully more of a resemblance and but I mainly went on the letter that they'd written so um what they'd written in the letter was something that just um I felt like yeah this that I connect with that person interesting what kind of reasons do people give for being for for donating sperm so sometimes people were saying that they know somebody who had struggled with fertility and saw what they went through and they were in a position to donate so they decided to donate sometimes um they were in the medical industry and they understood um how important it was some were just really altruistic and just wanted to help some didn't want children of their own but wanted to feel like they had still you know contributed to that somehow so a a number of different reasons really and would the sperm donor know whether their sperm had been used or whether that had, you know, they had a child or are they not told until the child is 18, they might get a letter? No, they do know. They know that a child was born um, and I think they know the year that they were born. So they are alerted to how many um, children were born from their sperm. There is a maximum in the UK of a, like a, it's a 10 family limits so they can only have 10 families so if there's siblings it can be slightly more than 10 but 10 families can use one sperm donor gosh so do you think that the stigma has disappeared now because it is becoming so mainstream and it is such an important important service and um to, to just be able to help women through these times do you think the stigma is going I think it's changing. Um, The main thing I think is still the fairy tale. So I think that society, the media, um, still films and books, they they do still show in a lot of cases, happily ever after, as you know, when you're watching a rom-com and even now it like annoys I annoy myself because I'm like oh I want them to get together and it's like you know that doesn't have to be (laughs) the happily ever after so I think that what most people I speak to are struggling with is the perception that it won't be as good or life won't be as complete or you won't be as happy if you haven't met somebody so I, I think that there's still a long way to go to change that um I think that most people, when you tell them that this is the path you're taking, are really supportive and quite open-minded about it. There are still some people who don't agree with it, maybe don't agree with science being used to conceive or don't agree with people being brought into the world that haven't got a mother or a father. Um, I have 
done a lot of research on it. There's a great book by someone called Susan Gollenbach called We Are Family, who's she's been researching for as long as I've been alive, actually, on different paths to parenthood and different family forms. And her research shows that the form of a family, so like the makeup of is there one mum, two dads, two mums, like whatever the makeup of it is, is not the important part. The important part is whether that child is loved and supported and um, is in a, you know, a warm, loving family situation. But we've put an importance in society on what that form should look like. So I think yeah. that's what needs to be changed, that our view on that, um, probably there's still some work to do on that, I'd say. Oh, definitely. I mean, we see that a lot with divorce because, you know, you can be happily married for a while or maybe never happily married, but then you break up and then you have to co-parent with somebody who maybe doesn't want, to, doesn't want to engage, who maybe isn't very kind, who may be abusive, who may be coming out of a toxic relationship. So, I mean, obviously there's the other side where you split amicably and everything's great and the co-parenting goes well. But I don't think there really is that sort of fairy tale anymore because actually, you know, is it better to have a child with someone who is extremely difficult and, you know, co-parenting becomes a nightmare? And I know from my coaching clinic that there are many, many people out there in that situation. Um, and, you know, having an ex to co-parent with can be extremely difficult and cause a lot of pressure and stress, not just for the parent, the solo parent, but also for the child as well. So, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of positives from having a child as a solo mum or dad, I guess, so that you can bring that child up. You don't have to listen to anybody else's rules or be there in time for somebody else. Do you see that a lot? I, do, I think it's a really important point because I think when people are considering this, it's very easy to look at it as the second best option and I didn't meet someone, so I'm going to go down this route but the reality is there are loads of advantages and an alternative is that you could rush to meet someone have a child with them and for that relationship to then not progress and often that is a lot harder if you've got a child with somebody that you are trying to co-parent with particularly if you have met them and not had a long relationship because you don't know them as well um, and you're trying to sort out a co-parenting situation so I think a lot of my clients think if I could just meet someone but but like you say that isn't always a better option you have to be really really sure that the person you've met um, is you know the right person for mm. you otherwise parenting with someone I would say is definitely harder parenting with the wrong person than parenting on your own. Because when you're on your own, you haven't got any expectations that aren't going to be met. You know, you know that you need to do these things. You don't feel let down. You don't, you know, there's no arguing. I feel like very content. Um, it's all very, yeah, content is a, a really good word for it. So definitely don't think that it's always easier with a partner there can be some things are easier some things are harder I guess it depends on the partner 
I'm sure there's a lot of people listening right now thinking, I wish I was parenting on my own, but yeah. I'm not. Um, I, I, <laughs> I know there'll be lots of people thinking that for sure. What about people who have come out of a relationship maybe sooner than they thought? So maybe they wanted a big family, lots of kids, but they've had one child, maybe two, but they really want more and they're considering this as an option. What would your advice be for that? So many of um, my community have had a child in a relationship and then are going on to have a second or a third child um, through donor conception. So definitely something that other people have done. What I would definitely recommend is to connect with people who've done it. So I've got a Facebook group called the Stalk and I Mum Tribe and you can find people in all the variety of situations. And it's really good the main consideration I think is talking to both the children who you're, part, who you're parenting with a partner or an ex-partner and the child who has been conceived through donor conception, just so that they understand those different you know, paths to parenthood, they understand their conception and they feel supported and you know that they, that they don't feel that one of the situations is better or worse if that makes sense so I think mm. what's on most people's mind is that some of their children would then go and spend some time with their father and then their donor conceived child wouldn't have that and it's just how you manage that situation so the child doesn't feel like they're in a worse position if that makes sense. Well, they could see it as a positive that they get more time with their mom. You never know, more exactly. time with their dad. It's brilliant. So, okay, well, what about how you handle the conversation? So, you know, your daughter's three um, and you take her to nursery on the first day. And again, at school, and I know this from personal experience, you're always oh, daddy today. And how do you overcome that or even broach that situation? And also, how does Daisy handle that too? So I was very honest from the very beginning and telling her the story before she really could understand it. And still now, I mean, she's only three, so she understands an element of it. So it's about, first of all, I think being very confident with it myself. So I think if we own our own story, that's what our children will feel as well. Um, so I explained to her her conception the there's lots of good resources that explain one of them that I like is it explains it like a recipe of how a cake is made and then it says and this is the recipe of how a baby is made and so you start at a very young age telling them how babies are made and explaining that if there isn't um, the, the man there then you can get the sperm from a donor and so she's very clear that she doesn't have a daddy. Um, she is quite factual about it. And what I really focus on is who she has got. So I really try to focus on who is in her family and try to make it that there's nothing missing. So there is, she's got a lot of people in her family. She spends a lot of time. So she's very factual. I don't have a daddy, but I have a granddad. And then sometimes if she's on a roll, she'll, she'll literally name everyone in the family, including Luna the dog. Um, so yeah, our focus really is who is in her life. And then the other thing I would say is just diversity in general. So I've got some good books about different families and how everybody's 
family is made up differently, just down to whether you've got a pet, what sort of house you live in, um, all the different things, including that, that makeup of your family, so that she is really confident that there's no right or wrong, there's no better or worse, there's just different, and they're all fine. And then lastly, I've got lots of friends who are solo mums, so she does spend time with other people who are in exactly the same situation as her, because I think that's important for her to feel like there's that belonging of, I'm not the only person in the world in this situation, I've got these other people, they're all in the same situation. I think that's hopefully helpful for her as well. Yeah, I think that really helps if you're, you know, if you're going through a divorce and your kids are the only kids in the class whose parents are getting divorced. It doesn't happen very often to be the only ones anymore, but quite often the younger they are, it can do. So just making sure they've got other people that are going through similar experiences, I think that does make... Just normalises it a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, it makes a big positive difference. So that's really good advice. And, And coming back to what you say for you to say to other people to explain that because I I you know I know even explain that you're divorced and that you're a single parent can be a challenge so how do you overcome those questions that you're bound to get so I am, am very open about it so for example at nursery I explained right at the beginning you know Daisy hasn't got a dad she was doing a conceived um, if you are doing anything about dads she has got a granddad or then you know like if it's a card she could make a card for granddad um if and then ask them as well if there's any problems to talk to me about it so we can try to solve it Uh, but so very honest about it and just say at a high level to people um I had a baby on my own that um, she's donor conceived if people want to know more I'm happy to share more information um so I always say to people get like one sentence that you're comfortable saying that explains it and then if people want to know more they'll ask you just tell them whatever you're comfortable with if you're not comfortable sharing I always suggest that people to say actually that's something I'd like to keep private um I'm a massive oversharer so I don't think I've ever said that (laughs) but that's what I would (laughs) advise people if they didn't feel comfortable sharing yeah absolutely because there's you know no pressure to say anything to anyone if you don't want to but I guess those situations are going to come up like we talked about with Bridget Jones in in that you know, dinner party, things are going to come up, they're going to make you feel a little bit uncomfortable unless, like you say, you're prepared um, and you've thought about it before. So I think, you know, I think that's really important. I think what's really important is that how I deal with that, I think, will influence my daughter. So I'm really proud of it. I'm really confident about it. I There was a situation at nursery uh, on Father's Day where we've just changed nurseries and so she'd not been there long and to make it worse her key worker had just changed so her new key worker had only been there two weeks and she came out with a Father's Day card and um, it could have like really thrown me but I was like oh Daisy hasn't got a daddy you've not got a daddy have you Daisy and she said no I've not got a daddy I've got a granddad And because I was calm about it, it wasn't an issue. It was just explaining that wasn't our situation. And then Daisy said, no, this card's 
mummy and granddad and sh she was saying that she'd made it for lots of different people so I said to the teacher you know she knows so it's all fine whereas I think if I would have been like this is an outrage she has why have, you know I think that Daisy would think well why is that such a big problem so for me I think it's very important she will see how I react to stuff and I want her to think that this is not a problem it's just a fact and this is the situation and there's we don't need to have any drama about it. So I think that's an important thing to remember. Yeah, that's a lovely story. And I totally agree with everything you've said there because, you know, as a single parent, quite often things like that come up and it can be really challenging, but kids will take their lead from us. And, and if we are confident and comfortable in being different, you know, being different doesn't mean there's anything wrong with it. It's just different and different could be great. Yeah, it's great to be different. And there's so many ways. And I think if that comes from you, and obviously it does now, I mean, obviously you can see your confidence and just being comfortable and, and making this just a great experience is what it's all about. Because we only live once, right? So we've got to make the best of it, whatever's exactly. going on. And I think that there's so many positives from being a solo parent, however you get to that point. Um, and, and quite often just from the culture and the society and the stereotypes that we've been brought up to believe in, we feel like maybe we're missing out on something, but actually it can be so much better and it could actually become the most popular option one day <laughs> because you don't get saddled with things like divorce and the heartache and pain maybe. What do you think about that? I think you'll find whatever you're looking for. So if you think that it's the worst option, it will be the worst option because you'll be looking for every bit of evidence to reinforce that this is the worst option. If you think that this is the great option, you'll find every bit of evidence about why this is a great option. So I think a lot of it is definitely about mindset. I think a lot of the women I speak to have said, originally when they started down this journey they thought it was a worse option and only now with hindsight being on it they're like actually this is a great option um and I have to say I think I feel like that so I thought oh no I failed I've not managed to meet anybody I'm gonna do this instead and now I just can't imagine doing it in a different way it's great and I love it so I do think that hindsight's a wonderful thing. And I do think that you will find what you're looking for. So it's about your mindset on it. Absolutely. And I guess you can share that with friends and family members who may be a little bit resistant. Do you, do you find that happens? I mean, I'm sure, you know, obviously with, with, you know, you're younger than me, but our generation wasn't brought up with this as an idea, but if you're telling your parents, the to-be grandparents, I'm sure they're gonna find this extremely outside their comfort zone, right? Do you know what I find mainly with most parents just want their children to be happy. And so if they know that their daughter's wish is to be a mum and that's all they've wanted and they've gone through heartache and they've not found a partner and they say this is the path I'm now going to take to become a parent so many parents are like brilliant so supportive because they just they know it's their daughter's dream and they just want them to be happy and they think that they will be able to cope and they're totally behind it 
some people take a little bit of time to think hmm, like yeah like you say it's not maybe something they've heard of before and they need to get used to it but the vast majority even if they've taken a little bit of time seem to be really supportive about it there are always going to be one or two people who aren't supportive and, and don't agree with it and that's the same with anything in life and um you know you can't alter everybody's opinion but what I do is try to educate people more so um I wrote a post the other day to say I really don't need anyone's sympathy so some people say oh and it's like, no, <laughs> it, this is a situation I'm really, really happy about. You know, you don't, I don't need any sympathy. I um, am not in a situation that requires that. And it's just about explaining to people and educating people that this can be a brilliant path. Not for everybody. It, it might not suit everybody, but it certainly for, for many people it is. I think it's a really empowering change for women to be able to take back control of your fertility and have a child on your own if you choose to. I think that option being on the table is fabulous. It puts us back in the driving seat. It doesn't matter if someone's broken your heart, betrayed you, cheated on you, you still have the option. You're, that option is no longer taken from you and out of your control. You can now do something about it. And it's a really positive option and I'm sure it brings so much joy um, without some of the headaches that you get from co-parenting when you're divorced. Um, and, you know, is, is, a, is incredible for both the child to have that quality time with a parent and that, you know, unconditional love that you share and that amount of time. Because obviously when you're divorced, you, you co-parent something, you don't get to spend all your time with your child, which again can be something else that's forced upon you. And if you do want a child, then that's something to consider if you if you do have a child with someone that you've met and you've only been seeing a while and that doesn't work out or even if you've been seeing them for a long time if it doesn't work out that means you're not going to be with your child every day in a lot of cases yeah I think that's so important to remember because again it can seem like the easy option but the worst case scenario is that you would then have 50% of the time where you're not with your child if it all went wrong in the relationship so it's difficult because it's pros and cons isn't it because the the difficulties for solo parents is that you haven't got that other person that pro to provide any support so it is all on you the difficulty for single parents often is that you're having to split that time and so it's like the the, the total opposite challenges um and 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 both are hard um so i think the the thing if you're solo parenting is to make sure that you have built up a good support network so there are people who are there who can help you out so it's not always um falling on your shoulders so I've got a brilliant support network particularly with my parents so it, it feels like I do get you know some time and some help which is great I mean it's phenomenal and I'm so glad that you agreed to come on as my guest because I think all this information is really important so that women understand their options and that there are other ways that are just as wonderful with just as many positives as well as maybe negatives, but the, hey, that's life um, for them to, to explore. So if people want to find out more about you, Mel, or maybe get some coaching from you, how do they find you? So they can go to my website, which is thestalkandi.com, 
or they can find me on Instagram at the stalk and I with underscores between the words where I share a day in the life of a solo mum. So if people are thinking, is this something I can do? I try to show a balanced account of, you know, it's not a fantasy. It's not, you know, skipping through <laughs> fields of flowers every day, um, but try to show the, the, the brilliant sides and also some of the challenges so that like you say, to empower women to make a decision on, is this a path that would be suitable for me to take? Awesome. And my final question, Mel, that I ask all my guests, my podcast is called Heartbreak to Happiness. And I think it's really important to identify what happiness is for you. So you can spot it along the way, even when there are those ups and downs that we all go through in life. So please tell us what is happiness for you? So I think that I have really done a lot of thinking about this during the pandemic and that it's really changed for me um, because of the pandemic and it's just being really content and looking at those small little moments you know sitting outside with the sun on your face having my daughter give me a hug or tell me I love me just the small things um that really make me feel content in life um is happiness for me oh that is really lovely and thank you once again for being a fabulous guest I know many people will have got so much from this episode so thank you Mel no worries thank you for having me that's it for today's episode do head on over on Instagram to the stalk and I to find out more about Mel and her work and I look forward to you joining me on our next episode. That's it for today's episode of Heartbreak to Happiness. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to win a free ticket to one of Sara's virtual retreats. The retreats are a transformative combination of live webinars with Sara herself, coupled with empowering online video programs designed to help you cope better with your breakup and start feeling happy again. For more details, head on over to heartbreaktohappinesspodcast.com, where you can also get a copy of Sara's free gift. Thank you and join us again on the next episode for another dose of Heartbreak to Happiness. Heartbreak to Happiness.